Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Welcome to Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. Nothing separated Arsenal and Chelsea on Friday night as it looks like the title race will go right down to the wire. We discussed that and a huge Manchester derby decided by another Caroline Weir chip. We also take a look at the dramatic title race north of the border where Rangers are in pole position for a historic league title. Plus, international football is back. We've got everything you need to know about the Arnold Clark Cup and the Pinotar Cup. Lika Martins will pick up this loose ball. A little bit of a nudge in the back. Lika Martins! Four for Barcelona! Guys, it's Galentine's Day! Happy Galentine's Day! It's so cute! Platonic lovers in the air. Oh, yeah. you guys. I'm wearing a special Lovers FC shirt because I just want to bring some love to the pod. Um, what did everyone do for their V days? Uh, worked. I mean, yeah, I was working too. Uh, yeah, I had work and training, so it's really romantic. <laughs> oh, did you do anything when you got back from training? Uh, I got back at 10 o'clock. Um, so it was a cheeky text and bed. <laughs> cheeky text. <day. laughs> I tell you what we did do. We did our, our Valentine's Day early on Thursday because <laughs> that was like Cute. the only evening we pretty much had free and our favourite takeaway place was open. So that's what we did. Love that. Lovely. What is your favourite takeaway place? It's called Koji. It's Japanese and it's delicious. Shout out Koji in Fulham. Yeah. Shout out Koji in Fulham. Uh, big family work. If you want to sponsor the pod. Oh my um, God, please. Use code Koji20. Girls on the ball, and you get 20% off your Please, Koji order. Rock and roll wow. shrimp, amazing. Um, any cards? 
Uh, yeah. no, saw well, some a few Instagram posts flowing around. Yeah, well, I thought I'd just yeah. be a little bit romantic this year. Uh, yeah, we've actually got our Valentine's Day tonight, uh, and it's a surprise, so we don't know where I'm going. Um, Ooh. Yeah, but I'll keep you updated. I'll let you know. Ooh, I'll let you know what surprise. happened next week. That's exciting. So you're you're you, you're being taken out to a restaurant, and you don't know where it is. Not a clue. Wow. I know. Yeah. Maybe it's Koji. I mean, my... yeah, maybe it is Koji. <laughs> I hope so. Twenty percent off. It Absolutely. <laughs> Um, right, let's get let's get to the serious business though. Although you know, Valentine's is serious, and, and yeah. I'm, I'm very happy for you guys and, and your love. Um, but it was a big weekend of WSL action. It was pretty spicy, um, and it all started on Friday night. And I normally am a bit skeptical about Friday night football because sometimes I feel like people don't watch it because they've got other plans. Friday night, going out, whatever. And I feel like Saturday and Sunday are you know like religious football days, but I can get on board with this Friday night vibe. Definitely, I think, one of the best nil-nils I've ever seen in men's and women's football. I loved it. Two things. We, all of us, talking about that game beforehand, were banging on about the goals, right? All of us. Yeah. Every podcast or news broadcast or, you know, article goals, I goals, read, goals. it was all going about the goals. So cheers, Chelsea and Arsenal, for making us look like absolute idiots. Secondly... I'm going to bring this up now because of the way I was clipped last week. It made it look like I thought Vivian Miedema so should be dropped on the bench. I'm Do so salty worry. about it. However, I've been vindicated because she played deeper and she was immense. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They're my two cents. Thank you. Mic drop. I agree. It was one of the best games of the season. I mean, it was just everything that you wanted in a Friday night special. Two massive teams, two massive titans going against each other. Yeah, we were lacking goals, but we had the crowd. You had the atmosphere. You had the chances, the opportunities. You had the, the penalty or not penalty dramas. It was just, it was delightful to watch. Both teams turned up, which I was so pleased about. That was the biggest thing. Even if it did turn into a nil-nil draw, both teams turned up, put on a really good display. And that just made me so happy that it wasn't a walkover. Yeah, I mean, we've got to talk about the penalties because there were a couple. There mm. was Jess Carter on Caitlin Ford, which I think Caitlin Ford could have actually made pen a bit more of a meal of and got the pen. Mm. I think she was too nice on that. And some people, you know, the Sean Dice of this world would be like, yeah, ride that challenge, don't dive. But I actually personally think sometimes you've got to go down and, and win the pen. Uh, then there was the Jess Carter handball, which could have been a pen. I think? think that would have been a bit harsh. I don't think so. And then obviously we had the oh handball pen Maradona to end all handball pens in the 94th minute of eight minutes of added time. Jesus Christ. Neve wow. Charles about curling in a, a, a cross into the Chelsea box and uh, into the Arsenal box, sorry, for a Chelsea player and Leah Williamson's mysterious arm just floating through the tried air. Tried to catch it. <laughs> she literally tried to volleyball kind of palm it <laughs> and uh, Rebecca Welsh, one of the best referees in the women's game a very good referee in the men's game as well misses that so I think a lot of that was to do with where she was standing and because Leah wasn't facing her her facing away she was side on you can't um, see the arm movement yeah and you you know the whole age old if you don't know 100% if you're not sure 100% you can't Mm. give it But from all of the other angles that we got, it was like, Jesus Christ, the most blatant handball I'd ever seen. And even Leah Williamson's reaction was a real like, I she had a, that's what she gave had a guilty away. look yeah. on her face. It was like she, she stopped she was like, She was like, oh no, it's happened, doesn't it? It's like, you could see it. She just stopped. Yeah. She just stopped playing. She was like, oh no, this is not, this is not great. But it was just such an unnatural movement of the hand. Yeah. I think if she'd have jumped up and tried to at least twist her body, but there was nothing about that that suggested that she was trying to. It was avoid a flailing it. arm. And she got away with it. Mm. So to be fair, I mean, and also I think the result being nil-nil is probably indicative of how the game was. So if you want to look at sort of fairness. It evened out, didn't it? It's just that her one was so blatant. It Um, was. 
but it felt like one of those games that you could have played another 30 minutes and neither team would have scored. Like, yeah, like, I think you're right. It did feel like that. It just felt like they were just going to go at yeah. it for another half an hour and nothing would have changed. <laughs> like, ridiculous, but, but so entertaining. The, yeah, the quality on show was really good. And I, I, I don't know how you guys feel. I'm wondering who would be the happier team. I feel like Arsenal would be because I feel like most people going into that game thought that Chelsea were going to win it and Arsenal hadn't been playing well in the last couple of weeks, had kind of been clinging on to this lead a little bit, but will be happy with that point because they were the better team at times on Friday night and it keeps them alive in the sense that they didn't drop too many points to Chelsea, which I think is important. They keep the pressure on Chelsea now. Yeah. So Chelsea have to win the game in hand. I also think um, Idavella alluded to this in his post-match interview that that setup we saw with Viv playing a little bit deeper, um, Raphael back there, you know, these players, he said, haven't played that formation. They haven't trained that formation very often together. It's quite new. And the fact that they can come out and pull that out of the bag against what, the best team in the league is going to be huge confidence for them for the rest of the, the the league, I reckon. I think they needed it. And I think they needed it off the back of what happened last week. I think they were expecting to pick up points. They obviously didn't. And the pressure was on them to try and get something out of this game. And, you know, I agree that Chelsea probably were the slight favourites to kind of edge and get the points on this one. But now the pressure's on Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea have got to win consecutively the next nine games. But it, it's in their hands. I think it's in Chelsea's hands, really, to now pick up the WSL title. But, you know, coming away from that game, I felt, you know, Arsenal looked very, very confident. And I can see them actually going forwards now and, and feeling that confidence and taking that into the into the future games. And both Arsenal and Chelsea have played Man City twice. They've obviously played each other twice. So actually, Arsenal have marginally the better, the easier run. But 8th of May, Chelsea play United at home on the last day of the season. Ooh. That could be Huge. the title Huge. decider. And also for the Champions League spot. That's it. Yeah. That's the other I think bit. that is the competitive factor in that game. That could be what that, yeah, so that not, game United is going down to. So United are still probably going to play for. that game. Yeah, they're not going to be thinking, oh, okay, well, we're end of the season. We might as well just, you know, finish it off. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna go out that full force. And the other, the other places you might see Chelsea drop points. They could drop points against Spurs. We've seen Arsenal do that this season. They've got Reading still to play. Reading beat them earlier this season. You'd probably think they've got to play Spurs twice because that game got called off um, over sort of Christmas break. They've got to play Birmingham. They've got to play Everton. They've got to play West Ham. You've got, they've got to play Villa. You'd think those four would probably be wins. You but would. It's, it's, it's an open, up and down yeah. crazy season. Yeah, and I think Emma Hayes said it as well that she didn't think this was a title decider. Emma Hayes really is very good at playing down big matches. I think her aim is to kind of take the pressure off her team but we all know that these matches are huge. Um, but she said it wasn't going to be a title decider because you just don't know. You, you're, you're not guaranteed results for the rest of the season. Neither are Arsenal. So while this was a draw, I do think that you just don't know with the, some of the fixtures you've you've pulled out there. Even this weekend, there were fixture results that we weren't expecting. So yeah, I, I, it's it's impossible to call, I think. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, it's great. This is definitely, I think, the most open that the league has ever been because I feel like previous years, we've always looked at those big blockbuster clashes and kind of like put everything on that as the title deciders now point every team can take points off each other I think in previous seasons at this stage of the season or maybe the kind of next three weeks 
you'd kind of know who's at least going to be top a two-horse race or yeah. something like that. But Whereas I don't think like, teams can afford to be complacent anymore. I think yeah. when you kind of look at the upsets that have been delivered by you know the likes of Birmingham City, last year everyone would have expected you know, Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea would just walk away with the points. But actually you come into those games thinking you know some, there could be a bit of an anomaly here. So I, I agree. I don't think any of those games are decided. Do you also think Chelsea might have advantage on the fact that they're no longer in the Champions League, which obviously was quite sort of a shock and, and kind of traumatic at the stage in which it happened in the season with COVID and everything else. But Arsenal have got two potentially quite hard games against Wolfsburg, which I don't necessarily see them winning. That That's going to knock confidence. It's going to take take up, you know, players are going to be fatigued. There's travelling involved as well, adding an extra a game into the equation. So this could also play into Chelsea's hands. Yeah, I think the momentum is with Chelsea and it is very much in their hands to win the league. I think they they do thrive well under pressure. I've said before, they're mentality monsters and they enjoy that kind of that pressure. So I do think it is it is on them. The Arsenal games, the Champions League games could, as you say, knock the confidence. We saw what the Barcelona whoopings did for their confidence. But on the flip side, it's another run out for Eidevel to to you know, nail down this kind of formation that he's playing and have get, get players more minutes playing that formation. Whether he, I mean, if he continues to play Viv Miedema deeper and, and Blackstenius up front. So they both got the squad depth. Chelsea had the squad depth last season to be in multiple competitions. Technically, Arsenal should too. Um, it shouldn't derail them. But in terms of the, the mentality side of things for Arsenal, it's going to be how they manage those potential losses. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting to watch. And Arsenal also have a tough FA Cup fifth round game against Liverpool that are flying high in the championship. So that's that's not going to be easy either. Um, let's go over to, to Manchester then. What a derby game that was. I would have been happy actually with both those big games ending nil-nil because I kind of was going down the storyline of and I was like literally writing my piece for the weekend as... Oh, like this. Sh- this shows just how much United have closed the gap. It shows just how tight the league is this year. That we've had these two huge games and nil nil. It's great for the league to have things so tight and competitive. But then up popped Kazawir. Wow! Again, the third time in three seasons, back to back games against Manchester United in which she's done and scored exactly the same way. Exactly the same way when you put the goals next to each other. And I think BBC Sport did this on Twitter. And you see it, it is copycat. She's even a little bit further out this time, which makes it all the more impressive. It's, yeah, it's a thing of beauty, isn't it? It's horrible. It's what okay. it is for goalkeepers. Well, I think it's a thing of beauty. For goalkeepers, it is. Chloe a, threw up when she saw it. It's, it's a bloody nightmare. I've been watching it over and over again and I've got PCSD for looking <laughs> at that goal because I think what obviously the keeper has tried to do is be in line with where they think the shot is going to be. But because mm. she then floats it over into the opposite corner of where you expect it to be and the arc of the ball takes it right over your highest jump and then it just drops beautifully into the back of the net. And I just... I can't stop looking at it, but I don't want to anymore. She's got Mary Earps' number, hasn't she? 100%. I would be fuming at that, but there is nothing you can do. Yeah, I want to touch on Earps actually when we chat England, but in terms of that goal and what it means, I know Tom Gary had a tweet on maybe the Thursday or Friday about United being 100-1 to to win the league. And I wanted to put a bet on on Sunday, but I tried to do it after kickoff and then the market froze, so I couldn't. But if United won that game... They would have been serious title contenders. This kind of pushes them back a tad and gives City a real advantage in that quest for third place. But do we also think City have a have a a shout for the title race? Before the match, I kind of thought like your eleven points or whatever it was 
behind, like there's just no chance. Um, but Ellen White said that they hadn't taken their eyes off off the prize. And I mean, you're not going to, are you? You're going to aim to get as high as you possibly can. But it's not on your hands. You have to rely on other teams to slip up. And we've seen that that can happen. Um, yeah, yeah, they're now eight, they're now eight, eight points. points behind. Yeah. They're outside contenders. I think, I know you said you wish that it ended nil-nil. I didn't see the whole game because I was um, doing Everton. But when you look at the stats of Arsenal and Chelsea, there was literally nothing in it in terms of attempts, possession. It was such a close game. When you look at the Manchester derby, it was all Man City. Oh, oh City dominated from yeah. start to finish. United offered very little. And I think that'll be a little bit to do with experience, you know, being in those positions for them, knowing that they could be potential title contenders if they win this match. And that will come with more experience in those positions. There is huge growth in that United team. Um, but yeah, I think we just saw maybe a little bit of that naivety when they played Man City. Yeah, and I also think they just didn't set up very well. I think the way that's going to set up his team and the way that they pressed, it was a very half-hearted press. They gave City a lot of time and a lot of space on the ball. They let them create those opportunities. On Abache, who is one of the best fullbacks in the league, she got schooled by Lauren Hemp. It was you know, every single time Hemp charged towards her, she kind of like disappeared into the pitch like quicksand hemp had her number all afternoon so i think it was a tough one for united and they did really well to get to that point and actually you know as much as i've talked about gareth taylor on this podcast in fairly negative way have you what i didn't well (laughs) um it was a bit of a masterstroke in some ways by not starting caroline Weir because i think Weir had a poor game against chelsea the week before her output was not good that day a lot of poor balls into the box um but so she didn't start. Vicky Lasada played instead. Lasada played fairly well. Legs got tired. Weir comes on in like the semi-fifth minute, and she had a point to prove. She knew that she could take the game by the scruff of the neck. She spoke afterwards that she knew there was going to be space because United were going to be tired. The press had diminished into nothing by that point, and she had so much, you know, space to work with. She picked up the ball and she just drove towards goal, and it was magic. So actually, I think it was, you know, in many ways, a, a, a smart decision from Gareth Taylor to to, to realize that opportunities were going to open up late in the game and that goal would come if they were patient. But, I mean, they missed some good opportunities as well. Lauren Hemp, literally from like two yards out, missing that that chance at like the first 10 minutes. And Ellen White. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like there were some big opportunities missed. So, I think it's 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 hard with City. I feel like they're so hard to read because they, they show moments of of what it means to be a title winner, like you say, those credentials of being a, a high-achieving winning team. But then at the same time, they're not taking their chances where they need to. They had 70% possession for the majority of that game and couldn't make it count. That's not really good enough to compete with the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea right now. But over the last couple of weeks, they've improved massively. Yeah, I think we're starting to see a little bit more of the City of old and they do have the experience of playing in those big games. And what we've found from City in the past is that when they're in those nil-nil kind of matches, they often have, they can pull it out of the bag in the 80-plus minute. And we're starting to see that come back into their game. They couldn't do that against Chelsea. But this, I think pulling this win out of the bag with all the possession they had will do wonders for their confidence going forward. I think it's still too little too late, too late though. I think with the way they started the, the season. I think but what do you think about third? What do you think about third right now? For oh, 100%. I think they're still big contenders for third. I mean, there's only four space, is it four, four points in between themselves and uh, Man United and Spurs in that gap. So everything's still to yeah. play for in, in that little yeah, section. City are four points behind Spurs in third and United are two points behind Spurs. And I think we all kind of agree that Spurs will probably naturally drift away just because still got some big teams to play and their squad you know, there's not a lot of goals in their team, so they can't necessarily compete with the depth of attacking options that the other three, four teams in this in this race have, right? 
Yeah, although they're scoring, so I'm going to give a shout out to Spurs. They've been scoring some some goals. The recent the last, last couple, couple of, games. of weeks, they've scored. They got seven goals, I think, in the last two games. They scored four. Kaya Simon came back and scored two after being at the Asian Cup. But what I've been most impressed with is their defenders. Shalina Zadorsky, Ashley Neville has scored in back two games. Clean sheets, there was yeah. this stat about how. Ash Neville had had the most opportunities on goal and not scored. And then she came on and scored in two consecutive games. So, you know, maybe maybe they're spreading the goals out across the team. That's something Rianne Skinner has said that they're working on. Yeah, really exciting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Spurs' fixture list is, is kind of brutal. Yeah. They've got to play Man City uh, the week after we come back from the international break uh, after the FA Cup. Then they're going to have uh, two games against Chelsea to come. They've got a game against Arsenal as well. That one's going to be at the Emirates, I think. So it's wow. it's a tough run. <laughs> yeah. Some light fixtures then. Yeah, <laughs> whereas all the other teams, Arsenal, United, Chelsea and City, have got quite nice run-ins. And it's only that Chelsea-United game, which is the real kind of blockbuster. But we shall wait and see because I know we're going to be talking about this kind of probably every week because it is front and centre of, of the agenda moment and probably an annoying time for all of those managers to come to the international break because they're all kind of wanting to continue this. Got that momentum now. Yeah, yeah. I asked a couple of managers about that. They're always very coy about how they answer those questions. They're always like, yeah, it can be annoying, but also it can be fine. So you never really get a straight answer, but that must be frustrating when you've got some, especially the likes of Spurs and they've got that kind of momentum. There's also another title race that we should talk about because up in Scotland, a few teams are trying to shake things up. Um, I think lots of people will know about the, the Glasgow City supremacy that's been running for a very long time. Um, not since 2007 have a team that's not Glasgow City lifted the Scottish Women's Domestic uh, League trophy. So Rangers are giving it a good old go. Uh, Celtic are also in there as well. Um, and it's exciting to see the development of Scottish women's football, especially considering that Glasgow City still aren't even full-time professional. Yeah, this is mad when you think about it. Um, They're kind of semi-professional and both Rangers and Celtic went full-time in 2020. What a year to go full-time. Um, <laughs> but I think we're starting to see the fruits of that labour now. Um, there is always the risk that if you're not getting that kind of pressure that you might stagnate a little bit in terms of progress. So now we're seeing people starting to catch up to Glasgow. I think that's going to have to push Glasgow push them on a bit more um, to potentially, hopefully, go full-time because wouldn't we like to see a full-time league up there as well? Um, but yeah, it's exciting. I think it's, it's you know, we've been there with the WSL where it was always one or two teams. Um, so it's definitely great to see more teams chomping at the bit to potentially lift that title. It's definitely progressing. I mean, when you look at where Rangers have come from now and obviously, like you, like you were saying, they've become a full-time professional outfit in 2020 and I think everyone was expecting to maybe see them lift the the the, the premiership last year. Um, with obviously them be, being full-time and having the new sign-ins and having the new coach involved and all the investment that was going into things. But I think that was the issue. I think obviously the, the transition from going part-time to full-time is very difficult. When you've got a new coach, when you've got lots of new sign-ins, trying to make things gel, it can be a really difficult season. So I think this is the first time that we've really seen them consolidate what they built last year, grow on that foundation and look like proper challengers and contenders to the title this season. So yeah, it's exciting. It's also, um, um, Glasgow City had done really well considering the fact that Birmingham City, you know, um, stole Scott Booth off of them and he lasted a few months at, at, at Birmingham and now they're still keeping themselves, despite losing their manager, keeping themselves in the hunt. They are two points behind Rangers who are top, but Rangers do have a, a game in hand and Celtic are in third. Uh, they are seven points behind Rangers in top. So I think it's good also to see 
recognised major football brands stepping up and investing in women's football. We saw that with Man City in 2014. We've seen that with Manchester United in 2018. I think it's important when these big football clubs put money into their women's team and say, we care, we want to win stuff, we want to support the growth of women's football, because that will filter down into you know, academies and youth systems and it will filter down into the Scottish national women's football team. And we've talked about how that team should... They should be in the Euros. They should be achieving a lot more because it's kind of a golden generation for them right now. And I feel like having a strong domestic league could play a massive part in that. Oh, massively. I think like when you, especially when you look at the kind of people, the Scottish talent that they've had and it's all... A lot of it coming through Glasgow City mm, and, and ab- other clubs around there. Absolutely. But you look at like the, the, the names that you've got, the Beatties, the Ware, the Hanson, the Ross, Thomas, Cuthbert, all of those names go into the WSL because it's the, well, questionably, arguably the world's best league at the moment. But you think if the, the setup is there, if you're starting to get more full-time teams in the Scottish leagues, the improvement, the investment, I think it's going to end up, well, actually, Scottish talent, young Scottish talent coming through the ranks isn't going to be thinking, OK, well, WSL is my ambition. Actually, staying in the Scottish league is going to be the next, the, the what they want to do. And hopefully seeing more Scottish teams in the Champions League as well. Um, like you touched on on Booth leaving there for Birmingham, which would have been a big loss. They brought in Eileen Gleeson, who'd been involved in the, the Ireland setup in kind of early November. And like it's always going to be hard to to be a new manager coming into a really successful team after they've lost a successful manager. But you know she has got a lot of experience. Um, she was involved with Piedmont United in Ireland, won, won six trophies. Um, she was the manager who was who brought the first like Irish team to get into the knockout stages of the Champions League. So she has experience of being at that level, you know, and and being the ones that are being chased. Um, but yeah, I guess because she's only been in since kind of early November, it's going to take a little while to to bed down, I think. Yeah, well, it's exciting to watch and there's a few big fixtures coming up as well because Glasgow City are going to take on Rangers at the start of May and then Rangers have the Old Firm derby, which is always spicy, against Celtic on the last day of the season. Fixture scheduling gods have really tried to um, spice things up there, but... Definitely want to watch and something we'll, we'll definitely dig into deeper as well because I feel like we really want to kind of look to a lot of people who have been covering certain elements of the game a lot more than we have, obviously, on this side of, of the border. And I feel like there's so many people there have been doing that. I mean, Chris Marshall's a guy I want to shout out. He's brilliant on Twitter, runs a, a Scottish women's football blog called Leading the Line. I know he's doing stuff for the Pinotar Cup as well. Um, so definitely want to reach out to those kind of more knowledgeable expert heads for for a little focus on this which we want to do on on other topics as well yeah and I think it's a good like it's always a good time to get into women's football but I think the Scottish League is going to get even more interesting I think they had a bit of a shake-up recently in terms of um who was managing there's there's a bit of a kind of like it I don't not dispute but there's a bit of a sort of like right what does the future hold is it going to be the responsibility of the the Scottish Premier League clubs yeah. or is it going to be responsible for the Scottish Women's Football Association so it's it's, it's an interesting time yeah as and well. they they both um pitched kind of to both clubs which had quite a similar they put forward quite a similar pitch but I think they chose to go with the Scottish Professional Football League to take over um, and I think the aim is that they the league will be joined by seven teams in the SWPL2 and potentially three more from lower down the period so there's a kind of tentative proposal of having a top league of 12 and then eight in the second tier from kind of 22-23 seasons so it's definitely one to keep an eye on because it just sounds like it's only going to get bigger and better. Yeah, and, and with those plans as well, they definitely they want to commercialise things, they want to get more sponsors, they want to make it a more professional game. So I think it's definitely moving in the right direction. For sure. Does that mean we can then support Arsenal and Rangers? Is that a- do what you, got, you, yeah, you yeah, want to do, sure. Chloe. A, a double supporter. Yeah, yeah I'm do just it. thinking of the options here. Do we, it. Yeah. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Join Luke Moore and me, Pete Donaldson, for an unplanned half hour where we discuss life's great mysteries like can a man survive by eating roadkill as well as the week's most bizarre news stories and your ridiculous adventures like this one about an almost catastrophic shortcut. We eventually came to a large railed fence which I decided we should climb. I scaled the 15-foot-ish fence and as I was sat atop ready to jump down, three or four police came running from a little building we hadn't noticed before shouting at me and grabbing my mate Sam. I was faced with the choice of legging it onto the other side of the fence or gallantly going back to help my friend. I returned to Sam and the quite pissed off police and my gallantry was rewarded as they advised me that I had been climbing into the zoo and would have landed in an animal enclosure. Listen to the Look at Pete show wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Luke and Pete Show is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. So the Arnold Clark Cup kicks off this week on Thursday at the Riverside Stadium in Middlesbrough. Very exciting. Uh, we've got Germany taking on Spain and England versus Canada in the opening games. Um she believes who is what I would say. Um, the FA obviously realised that there's a bit of a, a bit of cash to be had on on hosting your own tournaments, teaming up with pitch to put this together, which I think is really exciting because why should why should the Americans have all the fun? Let's bring it over here. Yeah, I mean, we went to the She Believes um, all but one of them, I think, and uh, it was always on the East Coast, and it was always cold, and it was always a travel headache. And this year, they're in LA, so. While I'm delighted to be going to Middlesbrough and Norwich and uh, Wolverhampton, she believes it's going to be in LA. LA. In the and also, it's actually, for the first time, she believes they've decided not to like spread everywhere yeah. around the country one place. and have a terrible it's impact great. on the environment and mm. be like Miami, New Jersey, Philadelphia. Like They're like, no, let's just be in the sun. Um, anyway... Um, okay. you, we, we're never going to get nice weather over here. I think we should, <laughs> no. we're recording as we record this. It's literally pissing it down. There's outside, also two so. storms scheduled for that little week period of the uh, Arnold Clark nice. Cup. So Dudley yeah. and someone else coming. That's in. That's what you really want. Good mm. British weather. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, let's talk about the football. Um, this is England's first test under Serena Bigman. Their first test actually in a very long time. Um, 
And we're finally going to know really how good they are against some of the best teams in the world in lead up to a home Euros. I'm very excited about that because it's either going to be really exciting to know, right, these guys can match it. They've got a very good chance at winning the Euros. Or it's going to be important wake-up call. And I don't mean that in necessarily a negative sense, but it could be a seriously rude awakening as well. Yeah, like I make jokes, but I'm actually genuinely really excited for this because they're playing such top quality teams. But not just for England. Like I think every team in here is really going to value having this tasty little tournament. I know Canada aren't obviously um, involved in the Euros. They're focusing on um, World Cup qualification. But having come off the back of a an Olympic gold, it'll be an opportunity for them to kind of really test themselves and see where they are. Um, and Bev Priestman, she loves this quote. She basically says, if you stay at the top of the mountain other people are going to come and catch you. So you've got to keep going. So I'm really excited to see them. Germany, a little bit of transition at the moment, um, but got some really great young players coming through that I'm excited to see, like Julia Gwynn, uh, Brand, Oberdorf, Vasmuth, like lots of good names in there that I'm interested to see. Um, and Spain, like I think Spain are, you know, the ones that are going to win the Euros, to be totally honest. But when you look back at their um, history in, in major tournaments, they've not had a great history. And I think in the last two years, they've made insane progress. So I'm really excited to see them in, in like proper um, tough matches to see how they get on. And then, yeah, as you say, England hosting Euros is perfect preparation for them. I agree. I think when you look at sort of how the performance was, you know, with, with England in, in the Olympics and, you know, I think everyone's expecting them to do slightly better and I think it was slightly disappointing. But I think now this is going to be a fantastic test and, and against such top quality teams. And I think, like you said, I think Spain, the England-Spain game is the one that I cannot wait. And also it's being shown on ITV, which is amazing. Um, and we don't have a fixture this weekend, so I can actually sit down and watch it. So I will be doing that. But I think that is the fear, isn't it, with a team like Spain? I mean, you've seen some of the talent that they've had in the you know, the Champions League final with with Chelsea last year with Spain and um, with Barcelona and Chelsea. And you know the kind of players that are going to come out in this tournament, and I think they're going to want to prove themselves because, like you said, they've not had great tournament success. But I think this is just going to be one of those. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I think England have been lacking consistency as well over the last kind of ever since Phil Neville left, um, I think that's going to be important for them. They've had Serena Wiegmann in now for a while. They've had kind of gone through fairly easy qualification games for the World Cup. Um, so getting that consistency, getting her ideas implemented in those tough matches ahead of the Euros. I know we might look at it and say if they come last, they're screwed for the Euros, but I don't I don't fully agree with that. I think they'll learn a huge amount, whatever the results are. They're going to learn a huge amount playing three different styles of football um, before a major tournament and I think there's going to be massive learnings for them however you know whatever the results are yeah since so two years ago England played Spain and she believes lost 1-0 not a great day uh, and that was sort of towards the end of uh, Phil, Phil Neville's reign of terror um, and a lot has changed since then a lot has changed with the Spanish national women's team a lot has changed with the England women's football team um, some good some bad uh, I think it's interesting as well to know I think you mentioned Barcelona being such a core element of that Spanish women's football team. And it's almost like we were going that direction with Manchester City and, and having so many City players being part of the England team. We're ne not necessarily seeing the benefits of that yet, but it's the same sort of like school of thought and identity that it could be helpful. But with all of these teams, maybe apart from Canada, but I think their World Cup qualification system is a little bit different to ours, so it's hard to tell. But with all the European teams in this, they've all had quite easy World Cup qualification games. So it's actually really hard to know how good any of them are at the moment because they haven't really been tested. So I think for all of them, 
it's going to be really interesting to know, like, well, where do you stand with the Euros on the horizon? Like, how good are you? Yes, everyone is chatting and hyping up Spain and we know why they have the best players in the world and they play together day in, day out. But like, how good are they under a coach that's not the Barcelona coach? How good are they when they're not just Barcelona team with some of the international talent they have? I, I'm i very excited to see that. And also Canada, who've developed so much recently, are now winners. And I've spoken about how important it is to be winners. You know, last time England played Canada, not including the Tokyo games when Team G played Canada, they were fucking terrible. And they lost 2-0 and conceded a Don't talk absolute about horror goals. goal. Both of the goals are awful. So I feel like there's a, there's a lot to for England to prove against some of these teams that they've not played well against recently. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think the other thing that you benefit from from a tournament like this ahead of the Euros is getting in camp. You know, there's a bit of travel involved. There's three games in a short space of time. You know, it kind of gives you that experience as well, which is maybe something that teams like Spain will benefit from having not progressed really far in, in major tournaments previously. I think they got to the quarterfinals in, in 2019 in the, the World Cup. Um, so there's lots not just on the field that I think the teams can learn from. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it's it's a huge, huge test for England and for Serena Wiegmann to see have has she been able to implement her style yet. Yeah, and I think you also get the benefit of having that squad rotation there. I think it's the first time that, you know, there's a real opportunity to try out different partnerships, see how they work, get a real test before the real thing, not the real thing, but I suppose before, before the Euros start. And I think that's probably the, the biggest ambition for, for this year. So, you know, and I've just seen that, you know, Leah Williamson, she's been handed the uh, the captain's armband. There's a chance for her to sort of come back off off the back of the injury and lead the team to, to hopefully some successes in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I think it's a good, see, it's, it's a good time to kind of see how things are working between the players. I think I've noticed as well about Wiegmann is that she doesn't, she t- tends not to do a huge amount of squad rotation. Um, she tends to put out her best 11. And I feel like we will get an idea of who the best 11 yes. is going to be for the Euros based on yeah. who comes out in this one. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And I think with games like this, it doesn't give you a huge amount of leeway to say, oh, we're winning comfortably. Not that she even did that with <laughs> during the previous games that much, but we're winning comfortably. Let's you know give someone a cap, mm-hmm. and I think you know she doesn't give people pity caps, and I'm I'm all right with that. I think you you earn the cap, and and if you're right for what the game needs, you'll get on. But I don't think we'll see much of that in this tournament because of the quality of the of the opposition. Yeah, I want to want to ask you guys about two things actually, because I was quite surprised that Leah Williamson was handed the armband because. Lucy Bronze is now back in the squad and in the last few camps, Wiegmann had mentioned Lucy Bronze and wanting to have a look at her as a captaincy and, and her experience and obviously being one of the best players in the world and one of the best players in the England side. So I had my bets on her being given the captaincy and I'm quite surprised she's gone Williamson and I feel like that feeds into the narrative of like she is very decisive. She knows what she wants. And just because Bronze is experienced and she's maybe talked her up in the past doesn't mean that she's done enough to prove that she kind of is the right choice at the right time. Yeah, consistency seems to be a very important element in, in Vigman's squads. Um, and I think the closer and closer they get to the Euros, she's not willing to kind of try out, potentially try out more new things. Um, and I don't know, like I've not heard Bronze massively speak about desperately wanting the captaincy. Yeah, she seemed quite chilled about it, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, so that could be an element, the fact that we all know that Leah Williamson... Loves it. Yeah. Um, so I think for Wiegmann, I think this tournament, she is kind of getting as close to what she wants in the Euros. Obviously, Steph is is injured at the moment. Um, but I think in terms of consistency, that's important and is probably why I think it was either going to be Williamson or Bright. Yeah, 
Second one, goalkeep- <laughs> goalkeepers union. Go on. The real um, question, I think, when you look at that squad, um, the biggest question for me is who is going to start in goal? Because Ellie Roebuck is probably England's best goalkeeper when she's fully fit and had a lot of time, which she hasn't had this season because she's been injured. And she was Phil Neville's first choice towards the end and Hegar Reese's first choice and played in the in the Olympic Games. But Mary Earps has earned that number one spot. She has made mistakes this season, but she's also had very good performances this season, she's made some really good saves in the past couple of weeks, especially. She delivered when she was called upon in that game against Austria, the only really game she's had to make any saves. So what is Serena Wiegmann going to do? I feel like she might try both this tournament. But what do you guys think she should do? Would you go Roebuck? Would you go Earps? Like, it's it's a tough one. It is. And I think it'll massively depend as well on how they get on in training. I think you're right. We might see both. But I reckon Mary Earps might get two games and, and Roebuck might get one. I think it'll be the opposite. I think she'll go with Roebucks. I think it just feels like, she like you said about her. consistency and just sort of seeing how she's, if she's going to be ready to be that that number one for ready for the Euros. But I do think with Earps' performance, I think she's put in such a challenge for that number one spot now, especially with how she's been throughout the season. And, you know, yeah, she has made some mistakes, but I think if you look at her recent run of form and especially the game that she had just just now against um, Arsenal, some of the saves that she was putting that out. That Arsenal one where she tipped that Miedemar one onto the bar. Unreal. That's really like a 90 good. mile an hour shot. Yeah. I mean, that is coming at you full force. And... Yeah, I thought she was absolutely critical in that game. So I think where you look at her progression, she's a very experienced WSL keeper. She's been at Man United for a number of years now and is, is never really been that challenge. So I do think that she deserves at least one game. But I think for consistency, I think Ellie Roebrook will probably get the two games. Hypothetical now. I'm jumping forward to 6th of July, Old Trafford, opening game of the Euros. Who do you think is going to be in between the sticks, Erps or Roebuck? It will massively depend, I think, on how this tournament goes for yeah. both of them. But I think this will be the test. So I think they'll have to try out the two keepers to see what the situation Guys, is Guys, don't be. sit on the fence. I, I need an answer. Come on. Sorry, Erps. move over. I'm sitting with you. All right, Erps. <laughs> okay. Oh, thanks. There you Sorry. go. Come on. Give, give, give me something. Give I me just... something. Erps. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. I think that for me is one of the most interesting things to, to watch in this tournament. How are these goalkeepers going to going to be doing because that they will number get one shirt that's for sure yeah that is for sure is up for grabs um elsewhere as well we've got the pinotar cup happening uh scotland i think defending that title if we want to call it that title um and that's happening in spain oh tear to the eye i think a lot of players are actually quite jealous that that's that's uh that's not on the agenda if, if that's the only bad thing i bet spain story. was like oh great <laughs> and then we've also got the algarve cup in oh, uh, in portugal. portugal so that's where there's another one happening in france as well isn't there oh maybe yeah oh, probably somewhere hot yeah i'd much rather sake. be in middlesbrough and norwich though Said no. <laughs> Silence. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, the Pintar Cup, we've got Wales, Scotland and Ireland all playing in that, which is very exciting. Um, it's a shame also a lot of them are in the Euros. but um. No, but all of them are sitting second in their World yes, Cup qualifying World Cup, We can't forget. I keep forgetting about World Cup qualifying. I know, but bloody COVID. Everything's squashed together. Yeah, so that's... they've got to have those um, qualification games in April. So it's quite important uh, to have this this tournament. And also the likes of Scotland and Ireland will have a chance to play a team that's in their qualifying group as well. So for Scotland, Hungary are in their qualifying group and for Ireland, Slovakia are. So in terms of preparation for that, I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, all things to look out for. Um, obviously, you can watch the Lionesses games on ITV4. And I'm sure there's going to be coverage of the Scotland ones and the Wales and uh, Ireland games on probably RTE and BBC Alba and 
BBC Wales. So I'm just going to pretend like that's happening. But anyway, check your local into existence. Check your local listings for more information. Um, That's all we've got time for on this week's episode of Upfront. Rachel, you're going to be in in Middlesbrough. I am working the Arnold Clark Cup, yeah. so Soph and I are managing their social media channels. So come and follow so if us. you hate the content, you know where to go. <laughs> if you hate the content, DM us. tell Arnold Clark and not tell Mister Arnold Clark. <laughs> uh, I will see you in Norwich. Excellent. Um, Look forward to where it. there's no trains on Sunday, oh, uh, and I'll see you in really Wolverhampton. Jealous. Where are you going to be, Chloe? I might just come to Norwich just to see yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, have a night out. Big day out. Yeah. Big day out in Norwich. Oh, I have to have a fixture this weekend, so I'm supposed to be chilling. But you might actually just see Let's me pop all up. Go to yeah. Norwich. I can give you a lift. It's going to be a great time. Absolutely. Seriously, though, do come along. If you haven't uh, already bought your tickets, please do, because it's going to yeah. be so much fun. It's going to be a wild ride, and sorry you can't get the train there. You have to get a replacement bus from Peterborough. Um, that's it for today's episode. Uh, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at Football Ramble, uh, at Floyd Tweet for myself, at Girls on the Ball for Rachel, or at Morgie underscore 89. And we'll see you all next week. You know, I really hadn't done any much exercise since my Butlins injury. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> right. Your life. My life. Life. Oh, life. There's Butlins oh, to romantic trips. Life. Oh, life. Do, 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 do. Life. Oh, life. Oh, life. Oh, life. That's horrible. That was do, really do, good do, harmony. Do, do. Oh, that was... That you know, wasn't horrible. You know that was incredible. Michael fucking Bublé. <laughs> oh, fuck that. Just anyway, just saying. Oh, it's an absolute banger as well. Let's do this. Right. Absolutely. Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.